welcome to Sometimes in Shambles. My name is Melissa. This is my podcast. Today's episode is going to be on anxiety and a little bit of just mental health in general. And today I have another guest and it is my friend Brittany. Hi everyone. (laughs) Um, So me and Brittany went to school together at SUU We were both graphic designers together. Um, Yeah, so today's episode is going to be about mental health, a little bit more focused on anxiety. Brittany is going to tell us her story about how she like got diagnosed and kind of realized that she had struggled with mental health. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Um, And I'll tell like a little bit about my background, but I think I'll also do another episode of just me talking about like. Um, my experiences and then we'll talk about what anxiety looks like for us and how it's different for everyone and sometimes hard to identify or sometimes it's like really noticeable the definition of anxiety that this is just a definition that I found on the internet it says anxiety is your body's natural response to stress it's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come um i think there's like a lot more that goes into yeah that definition yeah my therapist i mean like the main thing that i'm in therapy for is my anxiety and my therapist described it just like as anticipation of not being being able to like not knowing what's coming and like not being able to handle what's coming because you just create scenarios that are like the worst things possible and you don't know how to deal with that even though it's not real yet Mm -hmm. um so anticipation is like the huge word that my therapist uses a lot. But yeah, what do you think the definition um, is? Well, so it's, it's really interesting because there are like a lot of different forms of anxiety. Um, and like for you, yours is the anticipation. Uh, mm-hmm. Mine is more of the social anxiety aspect. Um, and that's basically a constant like excess fear of being judged um, really being in any situation where you could be humiliated or embarrassed and personally for me uh getting any sort of attention like either in crowds or just in general attention it brings out the worst it is very hard for me to yeah anyway yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um but yeah everyday interactions with people can cause like an unreasonable amount of anxiety for me it makes work really hard um like making work friends I don't talk to hardly anyone at work because I think they just think I'm kind of shut in or like a grumpy lady I don't know Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it makes everyday life a little bit harder (laughs) yeah and you did mention that there's like different kinds of anxiety and I I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later also because there are different there are situations you know where I have social anxiety and like the story I was telling you earlier, which I'll probably mention, was like that, like fear of being judged or they're thinking something about me or talking about me or whatever that is. Yeah, so that's like an overview of kind of what anxiety is because there it's actually really surprising to me when I run into people that have never experienced it because I feel like everyone experiences it at some point. Mm-hmm. But like the last guy I dated, he's like, I I don't know what that is like I mean he knew what it was but he's just like I've never dealt with that so like I don't know what you're going through and I'm just like how have you (laughs) never experienced anxiety like it's such it's everywhere you know like it can anything can cause it so can't relate I don't know what it's like to not (laughs) have anxiety okay so we'll kind of get into our stories and how we discovered that we had anxiety or when we recognized it I guess so I'll go first. Mine is like pretty short. For me, I I mean, I was diagnosed with depression in high school or right after high school. And I never really was like, I, I like experienced anxiety. I never knew that I had it or anything. And it wasn't until like around 2014, I was on the phone with my mom. And I think we're, this was a point where I was like changing my major or like, trying to figure out I don't know I don't know what I was doing but it was something related to school and I was like telling my mom about it and she was just like not not helping she was like trying to help but was kind of just saying like you have to decide on your own and like I just couldn't 
handle that mm-hmm. and I started freaking out and like I couldn't breathe and like my mom just hung up with me because she couldn't like understand what I was saying or anything and I wasn't even like coherent like I didn't even know that she was like on the phone like or <laughs> when, like I knew she was on the phone but like just wasn't realizing you, what like, was were going in the on moment. Yeah. yeah so she hung up and I was just like started crying like uncontrollably and I remember just pacing back and forth like from my room to the bathroom and was just breathing like really weird like hyperventilating almost and then I remember like sitting by the toilet because I thought I was gonna throw up and like I just couldn't control anything that was happening to me and I realized after like when I had calmed down that it was a panic attack but I had never had one before so that was like the first time that I was like okay this can happen to me (laughs) kind of thing but I still for a couple years after that didn't I wasn't like, oh, I have anxiety and I didn't know triggers. I didn't recognize it or anything like that. And it wasn't until our senior year that I was like, I have anxiety like about so many things. (laughs) And then I think once you realize that you have anxiety, looking back, that's kind of how I determined my triggers. And I was like, okay, yes, like relationships are triggers because I like this scenario was actually anxiety in this scenario and it was because of this and Mm -hmm. like it's it's so much easier to identify that stuff so that's kind of how I realized it but I've never been diagnosed with it um like by a doctor but I started going to therapy just for everything Mm -hmm. and kind of like mentioned it and she like validated it so it's it's not like a made-up thing that I have um and that's like the main thing that I talk about in therapy but yeah, that's my little short story. But I'm excited to talk about yours because it's just like so different. And, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's like one of the one of the things I love. Like I don't love mental health, but one of the things I find so fascinating is just how different everyone is. Like mm-hmm. no person's thing or situation is ever the same. Mm-hmm. So I was diagnosed with depression when I was 14. Um, And I believe that there were a lot of contributing factors, um, one of which was at the time there were just a ton of people leaving my life in unexpected ways. Like my great grandma had passed away, my grandpa had passed away, my uncle had passed away, my dad was in prison, my brother was on his mission, my other brother was getting his associates in school, so he was never around, or in high school, so he was never around. And my mom was a single mom, so she was out dating and stuff, which just left me alone a lot of the time and kind of felt like I didn't have anyone. Also, uh, my dad, he was a major, I believe a major part in why I have depression. He was a, he was a good dad for most of the part, most of the time. But after my parents got divorced, he got into this terrible, terrible state of mind. He was a closet alcoholic, basically. He was like selling drugs in the house when me and my little brother were there. And he, he just let it control his life. And he did not care for me and my little brother, which just made me feel like I was worthless. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't worth caring about because my dad decided to choose those things over me. Mm -hmm. All of those things together basically just put me in a place where I was like angry all the time. Like anything set me off. I was like (laughs) a rebellious teen basically. Um, And I I was just always mad all the time. And my... uh, mom was the one who thought that I should go to the doctor and like see what was going on so we went in and I was just so pissed off (laughs) I sat in the doctor's room with my arms crossed looking down like hair hanging in front of my face and the doctor was trying to talk to me and he was trying to ask me questions like how I've been feeling lately like is there a reason why I'm so mad I just wasn't saying anything so he then told me he's like well I think that you have depression and um at the time I like I didn't really know what it was but I knew it was a bad thing or it was like it was just gonna make things harder and I just started crying my eyes out because I knew it was not good news Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was really hard yeah I didn't like it and even after that like they gave me medication and stuff but I don't I was 14 I didn't know how like how to take medicine consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So as after I was diagnosed with depression, um, my mom helped me. Uh, she's a big, big support and like making sure that I was taken care of. Basically, um, I went and saw a therapist, uh, and that was probably the greatest thing I've ever done. It set me back on track, and I basically got my life back. I also like found ways to channel my depression in a way. Um, like I taught myself how to play guitar and I would just spend hours every single day playing and learning different songs, writing my own songs. Um, and I also found, uh, to write love on her arms, shout out. Um, <laughs> they are an amazing, an amazing organization that, um, is very supportive of mental health and, um, getting people the help that they need. So I did not have, have anxiety until about ninth grade. Um, well, I'd say I didn't realize I had it until 11th grade, but like you said, looking back, I can tell exactly like when it started, how, yeah. how I got it. Um, so I was, I was dating this kid named Alex and he was a really, really terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, started dating. He didn't really like my friends. He told me to choose him or my friends. And of course, because I was dumb, I chose him. And he was a very questionable guy from the very beginning. Like he always bragged about all the drugs that he did and all the people that he hung out with, like all like at the time or like smoked weed and stuff. And it got to the point where like I was just really uncomfortable and he uh always was comparing me to his ex-girlfriends um that's so messed up I I freaking hate that so much he yeah he would he had pictures of like naked pictures of his ex-girlfriends on his phone and would be like oh yeah like look this is one of them like this is one girl I dated and her boobs were this big and yours are only this big Mm. like it was it was a very like toxic relationship. Um, he also like as we got further into the re- relationship, he started to get really abusive and would like hit me with towels. He held a knife up to my throat. Um, we would play the car game where like you'd punch someone if you see a yellow car. And to him, I feel it was more than a game because he would leave bruises all over me because of it it started to get pretty bad to the point where I would just come home and cry my eyes out. And I think that like the time when I realized I needed help was when a teacher pulled me aside and talked to me about, um, sex basically. And she's like, Hey, I heard that, um, you and Alex like had sex and like, you know you have to get checked for like these kind of things and mm. i was just like how did, like first off how did you find out like how i yeah so i came home crying my eyes out my mom came in and i told her everything that was going on and just she she's very supportive like my mom always is and i asked her if i could use her as an excuse as like for breaking up with alex and she was like, absolutely, like, please do. We hate that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so used her as an excuse, told Alex that my mom no longer wanted us dating. And word got out that it was a lie and that I was just the one that wanted to end things. And because of that, he thought it would, he started spreading so many rumors about me around the school saying, that like I had slept with multiple people, I had done these kinds of drugs, um, and it was so bad. Which, yeah, like think think about those rumors being spread about you right now, it's horrible. In high school, that's even worse. so bad. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like, cause like, as you get older, you can be like, yeah, I'm not a big deal, whatever, I'm gonna go on with my life. But like in high school, that's like what you build your life off of Mm -hmm. basically. Um, and like the people that I was acquaintances with in the halls would say hi to, they no longer said hi to me. They didn't even acknowledge me because I, they didn't know if the rumors were true or not. 
basically because like I chose Alex over my friends, which by the way, my friends took me back because they're amazing. Um, choose good friends. (laughs) Choose good friends. Lesson number one. Um, but yeah, because of that, I lost a lot of people who could have been really good friends. Um, as I went into high school, um, into 10th grade, I really only had one friend because no one hung out with me. Like they still just didn't know if these things were true or not. And no one ever cared to confront me and like ask me about it. So I had one friend and I ate lunch with her every single day. Uh, some days she would eat friend, like lunch with her other friends and I would join along, but I would just be in the background, not saying anything. I would just eat my food quietly. And at that time, uh, my mom was dating this guy and they eventually got married and they both worked up in West Jordan. And so, uh, and he also lived up there and I told my mom one day, I was like, Hey, I know that you guys drive up there every day. Like, and Frank has a house up there. Would it be so bad if we moved up there? And my mom was like, Oh yeah totally like we were only staying down here because you like you were going to school we didn't want you to change schools and I was like well that is fine by me if I can get a fresh start (laughs) that would be awesome uh however when I started at my new school I in my head I felt like everyone knew those rumors that were spread about me in my other school. There's no way, there's no possible way that they would find out, but because I just lived in constant fear that like everyone knew everything about me, it transferred to that other school and I still couldn't make any friends. I My parents forced me to be friends with the girl that I lived across <laughs> the street with. Was and, this still in ninth grade or is this No, this, like is, this is 11th grade okay. now, yeah. Um, but that's when I like I realized that I have like I have a problem with talking to people and being in situations like even just doing this like the idea that people are gonna listen to it mm-hmm. freaks me out. Believe me, I <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so I moved schools. Uh, ate lunch alone every single day. I made some friends in my classes, like the people I sat next to. But other than that, I kept my head down. I didn't talk to anyone. Um, and like, it was even hard for me to go out in public and talk to people. Like if me and my little brother were out eating somewhere and I needed ketchup, I could not go up and ask the cashier for ketchup. I had to have like my, I don't even know how old he was. My five-year-old brother do it. Like (laughs) it, it it was, it sucks. (laughs) And it's, I'm, it's still hard today, but it's definitely more manageable as you get older and, like you said, realize what your triggers are and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I deal with, so how I deal with it today, um, I am on medication uh, specifically for depression and anxiety, um, but I also have medicine specifically for anxiety to lower my heart rate. Um, so is it, because um, I've never been on medication for anxiety. I've only been on medication for depression and like is it one pill that you take that are for both or are they two separate pills um so the one that i have for is for depression and anxiety um me more so for depression but it also helps with anxiety um and then there's a separate one that my doctor basically said like take it when you need it okay yeah Short side story, Um, I ran out of my medication probably like two weeks ago and I couldn't take it for about a a week and the medication that I'm on, if you just stop cold turkey, you will have major, major ups and downs and there was like, I think it was day three that I didn't have it and I was at work and I couldn't even get a sentence out of my mouth without crying. Even just like the thought, like, while I was at work, even just the thought of, like, why can't you talk right now made me cry, and it's just, like, little things set me off, and then, like, a few days later, had been, like, five or six days, and I got to the point where I would, like, could snap at anyone. I was, like, 
like very early on um, with my depression, I was on edge all the time. I was annoyed with every little thing that anyone did and I was just mad constantly. But yeah, I <laughs> had to call my doctor. He got it refilled and and it all is well. <laughs> um, another thing that I do to deal with my thing, my mental health is I because I've been dealing with it for so long, it's really, really easy for me to talk about it and be open about it. And I think it was senior year of college that I really started to embrace it and just be like, yeah, this is who I am. And like, I'm not alone in this whole situation. I think that was the same for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I base a lot of my college work off of the idea that I wanted to like make it a normal thing. I wanted people to talk about it. So um, we took a web design class together and I created uh, a website about anxiety and depression and it's not like sad or scary to talk about my idea behind it was to just make it not welcoming yeah welcoming and not scary and just be like hey like this is something that happens sometimes this is something that people have to go through and it yeah that website's like one of my favorite things that you've done i know mine too i love it (laughs) it's so cute yeah (laughs) um and then my senior uh bfa show was solely based around what it feels like to have mental, like a mental disease. And (laughs) it was kind of funny because there were people that would walk by and be like, oh, this is too depressing. Like, I can't look at this. And other people (laughs) would, like someone came up to our professor, Jeff, and they were just like, um, is this student getting help? Oh no, I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And he was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's fine. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Which I honestly think your show was like the like best one. Like I like just it was like people stopped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything else was kind of no offense to anybody who's listening to this, whatever. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm bashing on my own project too, but I don't know, everyone else is like, okay, like project, project, project. And then yours was just like a great display like it was huge it was so and there was big. like a lot to look at it was all cohesive like I think it was like really well done thanks <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> yeah um but I tried to reach like every single mental health category I guess I would you would say and there were people that were so into it and they were like yeah I know like I sent a picture of this to someone and they were like yeah that's exactly how it feels Mm -hmm. and so it was really just like it's really nice to know that I was able to touch people and actually like connect with so many people because I knew their story like I like I didn't really know their story but in a way I did because I like I tried so hard to make every single poster perfect. Like I created a online survey that was anonymous that allowed people to really tell me how they were feeling Mm -hmm. and like what mental illness they had. So like I I didn't do it all on my own. I got a lot of help from a lot of different people so I could make sure I got every single one spot on. Another thing, (laughs) another way I deal with it is my dog Millie. Mm -hmm. When I was, a junior in college, I almost failed my last semester of school because I was in such a low place. I wasn't taking medication. I was just, (laughs) I stayed in my room all day. I was not friends with any of my roommates and I just, I didn't go to class. I just did nothing. It got to the point where I just stopped taking care of myself and I was like, I need to care about something. And so I got my dog, she was three months old, and I know some people will probably think like, if you can't take care of yourself, why are you getting a dog? But for me, it was like, I cannot let this dog die. I can't let it starve, I can't let it get fat. Like my dog is my reason for living at, like, at that time. Yeah. And so it's was like, I need to care about something, I'll care about Millie. And she's been the greatest little thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> she is so wonderful. She is kind of getting ch- chubby, though. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but, yeah. I think that's, like, 
that's like really um like responsible thing i think like to realize i mean not to get like so deep but to realize like you're in that state of mind where like you literally need a reason for you to be alive and like for you to take action and be like getting a dog is going to like i'm going to care about it so much that i'm not going to want to like not exist anymore yeah exactly that's like really smart to do that yeah smart and kind of dumb because i'm a college student (laughs) i remember i was a freelance designer at the time so it's like i don't know where i'm gonna get money (laughs) i remember one day in mitch's class you like came in i don't know what it was you're late or something and then you're like sorry like i just got a puppy and she ran away and i had to go chase her and like all this stuff yeah you also remember when i came in and i like put my hands down they were just like bite marks and scratch marks and and you're like what happened i "I got a dog (laughs) okay so i'm excited about this next question what does anxiety feel like how do you know it's coming on or recognize it differences between anxiety and depression and i'm excited about this because it's so different for everybody and also i remember i was talking to a friend who had listened to my depression episode and um she had said something about how like it's so hard to distinguish between anxiety and depression and for me it's not it's not similar like it's very different Oh, but some of the things that I was going to say earlier are, like, some of the things that you were saying, like, um, short-tempered and just, like, angry and stuff like that. My, like, first years of college and kind of in high school, too, I would just snap so easily. Mm -hmm. And, like, my mom would just say something. And I, like, I literally ran away one time because I was just mad at one thing my mom said. And I, I would always slam doors. And my family, like knew that I was like a time bomb like that and mm-hmm. it kind of became like a joke to them to like push buttons that's so terrible with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I think it's it's like because I never realized like okay that's like mental health and I didn't know any of that and that's why I think it's important to talk about it because if I had known that then I could have told my family mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been such a like okay, like go slam a door, you know, like, and become a joke, which triggered me and made me more mad. Um, so like talking about it really does help and let your friends and family know this is bothering you. This triggered me. This is why I'm feeling this way or, you know, like whatever it is. I think it's really important to let people know so it doesn't keep happening and Mm -hmm. put you in an, in a situation that you become triggered. Yeah. Also, we've been saying triggered a lot, and I've never actually explained that because I I'm going to have a mini sewed on triggers specifically, but just to explain it, um, because I think the word triggered has become like kind of like a joke mm-hmm. in society, like especially like YouTube culture, yeah, and like things like that. It's like oh triggered, and it's like yeah. a joke, <laughs> but triggers are real, and like mm-hmm. I use that word so much because I'm becoming more aware of them, and so essentially for people listening triggers are just anything that happens or maybe something that is said or a situation you're in that triggers Mm -hmm. your anxiety or depression or mental health yeah so it's just something that you try to avoid or try to manage because you you're aware of it Mm -hmm. i don't know if you have anything to add (laughs) to what a trigger is but Uh. I mean, it literally can be anything. I, yeah. Every day I'm like, oh, yep, that's a trigger for me. Like, yeah. yeah, I just find something new every day. But back to the question, what does anxiety feel like? How do you recognize it? And the differences between anxiety and depression? Oh, yeah, that plays into, like, my answer. Um, so, yeah, I'm very in tune with my triggers as of late, you know? Like, I, uh-huh. didn't, I didn't know I had anxiety before, so I couldn't recognize those triggers. And so usually I know what I'm getting into. So if it's a situation that I can't prevent, I at least know that, okay, I'm, I don't know what it is. Like I'm going to be with people that I don't know. I have to be prepared for this. And like a good example of that is last night I went, I already told Brittany this, but (laughs) I, last night I went out with some coworkers and I know my coworkers but I don't like I only started the job like two months ago so I don't really know them and I've only been out with 
one of them I never hung out with. One of them I only hung out with one time. And then the other one, Rihanna, is like a good friend of mine. And I was so anxious. So they all went to a comedy show before, but I didn't go to the comedy show. And so I was meeting them after. And so I already felt like I was tagging along to like their pre-made plans. And like, it was kind of an afterthought. And I don't know, like I wasn't part of their group already. So that gave me anxiety. And then like just being, getting there and then they're all like talking and everything. And I, I was kind of feeling isolated and alone and isolation. I've said this, I feel like a million times on my <laughs> podcast, that isolation is a trigger for me. So I was just feeling like very ignored and, but like I knew I was getting into that situation. So I could have just not gone, but I chose to kind of just like push through it because I wanted to like go out and have fun and yeah. hang out with them. There, so going back to what we were saying before, there's different types of anxiety. And so I just wrote down different ones for me, which there's so many more than what I wrote down. But anxiety of the unknown, like not knowing what people are thinking about you or a situation or like creating those scenarios in your head of what can go wrong. An example of that for me is like dates give me anxiety because especially blind dates, like from a dating app, mm-hmm. because I don't know if they really know if they really look like their picture. Yeah. I don't know. Are they going to be at the bar first? Am I going to be at the bar first? I think that's I'm, why I'm always late to things because oh, yeah. I don't want to be there first. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that. And it's just like, I'm thinking literally of every single thing that can go wrong. So that's like the anxiety of the unknown for mm-hmm. me is like, are we going to have stuff to talk about? Is it going to be short? Am I going to like immediately not want to be there? How do I get out of it? Yeah. Um, so that kind of anxiety for me is like, like those racing thoughts and then kind of like a panic and then like a pit in your stomach. I kind of, sometimes I'll get like sweaty palms or just like start freaking out, which kind of leads into the next step is like a a panic attack that can happen if you, for me, if you like think about those things too much and Mm. there's just like a lot coming in at once, then it turns into a panic attack, which is just like hyperventilating rapid breathing for me i pace a lot because i feel like i can't control my body but i control like where i don't know yeah. i don't know why i pace i don't know if, is that a common thing i bounce my leg okay uh, yeah. work, i bounce my leg for probably six of the eight hours that i'm there um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um pacing in a in a panic attack i just like cannot stop crying and i feel like i'm about to pass out like i literally feel like i'm going into death like in I, I don't wish a panic attack on anybody no, ever, never, but it's extremely hard. It's so it's, scary. Yeah. And it, it's hard to explain it because yeah. if you've never been, if you never had a panic attack, it's, you cannot, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's like not a situation that is comparable to what no. it is. And I just like, the last one I had was like in October when I was dating the last guy, cause dating is a trigger yeah. for me. And I just like went in and stress is also a huge factor in Mm -hmm. it. And at that time I was unemployed and there's just like a lot of factors that I was thinking about at once. And I just remember texting literally every, every like last person that was in my text. And I was like, I'm having a panic attack. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And like people were calling me and everything, but then it's like, I can't talk to you. Like I literally cannot form words (laughs) and it's, it's just terrifying. So there's that kind of anxiety. And then, um, the anxiety that I can't talk about that much because I will freak <laughs> out, but is about death because it's inevitable. And that kind of anxiety is like a tightness in your chest and a sinking feeling. And this is the best way that I could think about explaining it, but like all, it feels like all of your nerves are like floating away from your body and you become like lightheaded and there's like pins and needles everywhere. I don't know that I don't know how to explain it but when I think about death it's like all everything's just like sucked out of me yeah kind of yeah um because it because you can't prevent it and anxiety in general has to be manageable and it's mm-hmm. manageable and not treatable yep and <laughs> I have not even I've I've told my therapist that I'm scared of death but we have not 
there is literally so much that I need to talk about in therapy and we only have 50 minutes oh and it's a worst. week. And so I'm like, and it's, and sometimes in therapy, I'm just like, this is what I am freaking out about this week. So we can't even like go back to yeah freaking high school where everything started yeah. and it's literally, I'll be in therapy for the rest of my life. Like, which is good. I, I love yeah, therapy. There's nothing wrong with therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, it takes a lot. Like we have not touched on death at all. And that's one of the things that I really need to freaking buckle down and manage yeah. because if anyone brings it up, which is weird because I love true crime stuff, but I like just dissociate from it. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know, but anyway, so depression and anxiety are just like complete opposites. I can identify them because they're different, but yeah. like... I guess the easiest way to explain it is like for me, depression is like a slow paced environment where like everything slows down. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to do anything. You're just like very emotionless and empty and just having very like sad thoughts. And then anxiety Mm -hmm. is very high intensity, fast paced. Like everything's happening at once. Your heart is racing. You can... I don't know. It's like very in the moment and depression is very long and slow and drawn out. It's a very good way Um, of describing it. Yeah. I don't really know what an example of them being similar and like not being able to tell the difference of them would Um, be. I I mean, they're, I don't think they're similar at all. Like, yeah, but like they feed off of each other. That's like the only way I can think of like how they're intertwined because like, anxiety can cause depression mm-hmm. depression can cause anxiety and it's just they're like bonnie and clyde basically mm-hmm. they just are like this fingers crossed yeah. there and i think one thing for to tell people if they're kind of wondering like if they have anxiety or depression is usually they do come in pairs like usually mm-hmm. if you have depression you have anxiety and yeah. vice versa there are rare there are cases where you have one and not the other because both my sisters have anxiety but they don't as long as far as I know they don't struggle with depression at least not as much as I do yeah or I have um so there are cases where you don't have both but like if you're depressed then you most likely have anxiety yeah but yeah my anxiety if I'm really like anxious for a couple of days then like three days later I'll be in a low so I'm expecting a low next week because I've been anxious for like the past 24 hours I'm sorry for you. (laughs) It's okay. Like, I know it's coming. Yeah, so what does anxiety feel like for you? Um, Anxiety for me... So some of the, like, physical symptoms are, like, one, my palms are... I don't think my hands are ever dry. They're always (laughs) sweaty. (laughs) Uh, Like I mentioned, I bounce my leg a lot. Like, it's just my way of, Which you're doing it right now. I know! It's kind of stressing me out because I I know that you're... You have anxiety, so I'm like, oh my gosh, she's bouncing her legs. I know. So. <laughs> and like, one of like when I was being diagnosed with anxiety, like I was waiting in the doctor's room, and my doctor came in, and he was like, "Well, I'm here to see you about anxiety, and I can tell that you are very anxious because your leg is bouncing." Oh and gosh. I looked down, and I was like, "I didn't even know I was doing that." And he was like, "Yeah, most people don't." Yeah, <laughs> which is actually a good tell because, like, at work, I'll be like. Um, bouncing my leg and then I'll, I realize I'm doing it and I'm like am I anxious and mm-hmm. like kind of makes you analyze your yeah. state of mind in yeah. the moment yeah. it definitely does um, but those are some of the, like the physical things I also play with my hair a lot like that's mm-hmm. something I do when I'm anxious my panic attacks are like they're triggered by social situations for sure mm-hmm. um, but I have had multiple panic attacks where I like for example I was doing I was making muffins one day and out of nowhere my heart started beating really fast and I started freaking out and then like I started hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe so I had to call my mom and she had to like just calm me down and tell me to breathe and that's one of the things that I struggle with the most during my attacks is I like it's hard to explain like you're saying, I am so out of the moment of where I am because I'm freaking out to the point where I can't remember how to breathe. And yeah, that's the thing is I think you're you're focused so much on surviving because you think you're going to die yeah. that you don't you don't realize like what's going on around you because yeah. you're trying to 
remember how to do basic things that your body mm-hmm. does by itself yeah usually yeah and like a lot of the times i'll have to i just have to like close my eyes and then i don't think i've ever been able to talk myself out of a panic attack i always have to call someone mm-hmm. whether it's my mom or my brother or anyone that mm-hmm. knows how to calm me down another example i was at work and we had to introduce ourselves and before it was my turn, I could literally see my heart beating through my shirt. Like my shirt was moving because my heart was beating so hard and fast. And when I started talking, like my voice was shaky. It sounded like I had just been crying. And I, like, we're supposed to say these certain things in a row. And I forgot like two of them. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, yeah. And, and this, oh, and, and also this. And yeah. So, that's kind of what anxiety is and it's i mean yeah you have your triggers but then for me there are just times where you're not you're not expecting it and it just mm-hmm. happens there's also like when i worked at a grocery store there was a guy uh going through the checkout line who just like that must have been one of his triggers of shopping or something but he just had a full-on panic attack and we had to like put him in our back room so he could calm down gave him some water and it took him probably about 15 minutes until he was like fully okay to leave it does come out of nowhere sometimes where it's like it's not really coming out of nowhere but it seems like that like yeah when you were talking about your muffin situation (laughs) um i remember that same time it was probably like a week before i actually had my panic attack i was in my kitchen so at that time i cleaned my kitchen probably like five times a day because that's that's like a coping mechanism for me and i was unemployed i literally had nothing to do all day and i was like dating eric and i would just be waiting all day for him to text me back Mm -hmm. which like that's where the trigger comes into play i remember standing in the kitchen and i was starting to pace and i didn't even realize it and i was just like pacing back and forth I started feeling like lightheaded and I was breathing like a lot heavier and I was like oh my god I'm like this is going to be a panic attack and then I started freaking if that that makes you freak out more and then I'm just like okay I just have to shower (laughs) because showering is a coping mechanism (laughs) so I just like jumped in the shower and I was like and I was fine Uh then and then the next week I think is when I actually had like the full-blown panic attack but that was after like Eric stopped talking to me and stuff so yeah it just like comes out of nowhere and it was because I was like waiting for Eric to text me back or whatever. And then it just snaps kind yep. of. Yeah. Okay. So the next question is what helps with anxiety? Um, like medication, self-love, meditation, whatever. So it's very different for everybody. And I kind of talked about this earlier about medication. I don't take medication for anxiety because I actually thought that I was on medication. Like, I thought Wellbutrin was for both. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I have thought this since I forever. Mm -hmm. Like, I've always thought that. And then I was was talking to my therapist. Like, she asked me what I was taking or something. And I told her. And she's like, hmm. (laughs) Like, that's really weird because I don't think that's... I'm pretty sure it's just for depression, not anxiety. And I was like, that would make sense because it has not been helping my anxiety at all. And I just, like, have never... Just moving up to Salt Lake, it's very hard to, like, find all new doctors and stuff. So I haven't Mm -hmm. found a new doctor. haven't even tried getting on medication for anxiety. But I highly recommend everybody to do that. So, yeah, that made a lot more sense that... Because I remember even texting my sister, like, my medication is not helping my anxiety at all. And she's like, you really need to switch medication. But it turns out it wasn't even (laughs) for anxiety. So... And then... I've tried CBD oil, which I love. Like, I was very hesitant about it at mm-hmm. first because I'm like, is this weed? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, but it doesn't have, well, you, there's both kinds. So, oh, my therapist recommended it to me. So it's so expensive. Yeah. So I went and got like a little, little bottle for like $50. And yeah, Yikes. but it lasted me like three months, I think. Oh, that's nice. Because it's like a dropper. So, mm. I did one drop in the morning and three at night and it helped me sleep a lot better and I just it calmed me down but then I was unemployed so I stopped I had to stop because mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it so I have, I'm not on it right now but I I know that there's like CBD oil pills that 
work instantly because with the oil you you have to like it takes a it couple to, of like, days go, to yeah, yeah it has, your body has to absorb it and yeah like, yeah and there's like gummies and um stuff like that but i recommend if you have anxiety to try it um and then the number one thing that helps me is self-care and which i've mentioned is like i take showers all the time Mm -hmm. and just like listening to music going on walks um driving up the mountains the mountains are like a huge escape for me just because it's like fresh air no one's there to bother me like even if you go somewhere where there's no service or you turn off your phone and you're just like kind of disconnected to like recharge yeah and i usually go up and like take pictures and do that stuff and then i was gonna say naps because in the past naps are usually like i'm feeling depressed so i'm gonna sleep or Mm -hmm. feeling anxious so i'm gonna sleep but lately naps have been triggers for me and it sucks like i cannot nap because that really sucks i have anxiety yeah it's i don't know what it is it's just like anxiety that i won't be able to sleep later or that i'm gonna take a nap for too long or i'm Mm -hmm. gonna Mm -hmm. not fulfill like my responsibilities that day whatever it is um watching like tv and shows and a huge thing is just like keeping your mind busy and keeping yourself busy so then you can't like wander off and think of all these scenarios which is why around October was so hard for me yeah because I had nothing to do like literally nothing and I would just sit on my couch like (laughs) I watched all the shows on Netflix like I had nothing to do so and then like I said earlier my therapist says that anxiety isn't treatable. It's only manageable, which sounds very discouraging. Like, oh, I'm going to have anxiety forever. But I mean, yeah, like it's, it's, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's true. But also like it becomes more manageable, especially when you like discover your triggers yeah. and, and and coping mechan- mechanisms. Um, another thing I was, I was going to ask you, well, I'll say mine first, but like, do you have any like physical coping mechanisms where because you you can notice like when your leg is shaking or playing with your hair Mm -hmm. but do you do anything like what I do I like rub my collarbone Mm. and like it's like a comfort thing for me and so like if I'm really anxious pretty much anybody anybody out there you'll know I'm anxious because I'm rubbing my collarbone (laughs) but um I don't know why it just like soothes me and like sometimes I'm just like talking to people and then people are like are you like are you okay are you like do you have a rash or something I'm like what like I don't even notice that I do it I just do it but yeah so like I'm just curious if you if that's normal like you have like a physical thing that you do I I honestly don't think I have something that calms me down um like the closest thing I can think is me shaking my leg like yeah, that's that's yeah, how yeah. I like put out my yeah. anxious energy maybe <laughs> yeah maybe it is the same thing or it's just like it because it doesn't necessarily calm me down it, well I don't know I don't know what it is I just I, I think, don't even know how I started doing that yeah I don't, but I think it just I mean I feel like part like for me it's part of it is because I am anxious but it's also kind of for you like it's soothing like yeah it's, it's not something that's like as nice as like rubbing a spot on your arm or like your right. collarbone but yeah it's it essentially does the same thing yeah yeah but basically you just have to find like what works for you which I've said in literally every episode is like do whatever makes you happy but I do think self care and like self-love is a huge thing with anxiety because you're just taking care of yourself and and focusing more on you than like things that affect you yeah if that makes sense and then of course therapy is like a giant thing that I think everyone should be in therapy and I I do have a friend who had a bad experience with therapy and I it makes me so sad because because like I, I don't know. I think therapy, if you find the right therapist and I don't know, it just helps so much. And even just them validating you, mm-hmm. like I love that my therapist validates me, like even talking about guys, I, cause I go, I talk about guys are just like, or dating is such a prominent thing mm-hmm. right now for me that like, I just go in and say even little crushes I have or something I tell her. And she's like, that's completely normal. All the things that you're feeling and 
because I feel crazy <laughs> when yeah. I'm like talking about it. I'm like, I'm crazy. I'm like focusing on these little things that don't matter. She's like, that's completely normal. So ther- therapy just like, if anything validates that what you're going through and what you're feeling is normal, that's it for me. And that's like what helps me. Yeah. I am agreeing with you on the self, the self-care aspect. I think for me, that's probably the most important thing. Like I said, when I was in a really low place, um, and I got my dog, I wasn't taking care of myself, but then because of her, I kind of had to. Like I had to get up in the morning to take her out and I had to get out of bed. Um, and so she definitely helped kickstart that uh, self-care kind of thing. I would also drive up into the canyon. Um, I probably did that four times a week and set up my hammock and just played guitar while Millie ran around in the river and whatnot. And I think getting outside in general helps because it's just like you're getting sun mm -hmm. and it I don't know just like gives you energy yeah yeah the hard part is just actually getting is actually getting going out um like I've said before I also take medication and I think that so many people are opposed to the thought because they're like oh I don't want to like be different and I don't want to feel like a zombie and sometimes the medication will do that but you have to find the one that works for you yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. we're both on different medications for depression but they both work well for our situation Mm -hmm. i guess and like i had to go through probably five or six different medications until i found the one that was actually i felt made a difference but didn't make me just like not myself yeah um and that's the thing is like if you're on medication and you don't feel like yourself, then it's not the medication it's, yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. It's really stressful when you first start because, like, it's chances are, yeah, chances are the first one you try, it may not be the right one for you, and you can't tell until like a month in. So it's a long, long process because it you have to give it a lot of time to make it make or realize how it actually makes you feel but yeah I so it's interesting that you say therapy is uh like I agree therapy is wonderful like I was so grateful for the first time I went to therapy because that helped tremendously Mm -hmm. since then I have tried therapy three different times and all three have been bad experiences yeah I because this is my third therapist Mm mm-hmm it just makes a difference mm-hmm. with when you find the right one. That is very true. I wish I could go back to the one that I had mm-hmm. when I was 14. 15, 14 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, what were your bad experiences, if you want to share? Um, well, one of them, so the last one I had, I so I usually go to therapy after breakups because same. I know. Same, same, <laughs> um, same, same. But it's mainly because I like probably like you go into a really, really bad low. Um, and it's almost impossible for me to get out of it unless I talk to someone about like how I'm feeling about the whole situation. But so the last one I had, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with her. Like, so the first time I went and saw her, I went to my sister-in-law worked at the place that I went to and I was freaking out because I had no idea where to go. There were like five different buildings and I just so happened to walk into the building that my sister-in-law was working in. Mm. And I went up to the window and I just started bawling my eyes out because I was, I was stressing out so bad. And she like came out and like hugged me and she's like, it's okay. You're fine. Like I'll walk you over there. And I walked into the room and I just like full on started having a panic attack because I it was scary for me to be there. I don't know. Like, like I said, she didn't do anything wrong. I just I just don't think she was like the right one for mm-hmm. me. Um and then there was a oh, this one was bad. This one, I went and saw this guy when I was going to SUU and he was down in St. George and like my mom had set up the appointment. She she said that she had heard really good things about him and that it should be good. So I went down there and 
he made me feel so uncomfortable. Like mm. he would say things like, you shouldn't have any problem with boys. Like you're, you're a good looking girl. And I was just like, mm. you can't say that to me. Yeah. You're my therapist. Yeah. And it was like, I just never like, he made me feel kind of like creepy, uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And so, and then the other one, like, I, like the first one, like just wasn't a good right. fit. I think I'm, when I do my triggers, Minnesota, I'm also going to talk about therapy and like, cause I've had, um, people text me like, how do you find a therapist? You know? And I think it's, it's good to like talk about it because yeah, I've actually had a therapist break up with me before <laughs> and that hurts. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. She like told me, she's like, we shouldn't see each other anymore. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're my therapist. I didn't think that this, that yeah. could happen. And it was cause like you, I, every time I've started therapy, it's been after a boy. Yeah. The first time I went to therapy was actually, it wasn't a boy, but it was a relationship with mm-hmm. my friend that I talked about in the first episode. Yeah. But I just, I went to her a couple times and her, her room was just like very dark. I just remember it being very dark and it was very cluttered. Like she collected everything Coca-Cola. So like her room was just like a novelty shop. It oh looked my like goodness. so <laughs> that already was uncomfortable to me. And then every single time I went, she was like, Oh, and who is that again? And like, why are like Was she not taking yeah, notes? No. And like it was so bizarre to me and it was so frustrating. I basically had to retell the traumatic Thing that happened to me over and over and over and over and we couldn't ever get anywhere because i was always retelling that's so like, annoying yeah and i'm just like why don't you remember this like i understand you have other patients and like yeah a million people are telling you a million different things but like you should take notes and review before yeah. my session yeah and so i only went to her a couple of times because i was like this isn't doing anything for me no. it's making me more angry and then the second time was after my breakup with my first college boyfriend and I went to LDS Family Services and I started with a boy, a guy and was telling him all these things and he just, uh, I just like didn't like him. I didn't feel comfortable with yeah. him. He wasn't like creepy, but he was just say things and I'm like, I don't believe that. And like, yeah. like kind of like you're just, you're saying things that are like your opinion and mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that and it's not helping me. So then I switched to a girl and I saw her for like a couple of weeks. She always like talked about herself, which I understand what she was doing. She was like saying, I went through this and this is how I got through it, blah, blah, blah. And then she would like give me ta- like, so me and my mom had this big fight a couple years ago. And so I was going through therapy for it. And she was like, you should write an, a letter to your mom saying like all these things that you feel. And it was, it was recent. Like it was, it had only been a couple months since that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, like, no, I'm not ready to like tell her any of that stuff. Yeah. And then like the next session, she was like, did you write the letter? And I was like, no. And then she's like, okay, well I can't help you if you don't help yourself and this isn't helping you at all. So I don't think that we should like meet anymore. And I was like, what? You can't force someone to like be ready to confront their anxiety or whatever yeah you you would think that she would suggest like other things like smaller steps you could take up to that like write the letter and don't send it or try to reach out because my me and my mom weren't talking very much at that time so like she could have been like just send your mom a text i don't know it was very weird and it makes you feel like crap wow my therapist doesn't even want to listen to me yeah you know um so yeah i've definitely had bad experiences but you just like have to keep trying and i'll talk Mm -hmm. about what i did to like find my therapist in another episode but i I just think people should sorry i just think people should keep trying (laughs) yeah i i think i am kind of lucky in that like my family are my therapist like i tell my mom absolutely everything Mm -hmm. But then, like, uh, one of my sister-in-laws, uh, she worked for like, a troubled teens youth center, so she understands, like, all of that, and she also struggles with depression. Um, and then the sister-in-law that I was talking about earlier, uh, she works at a um, eating disorder facility, mm-hmm. and so she knows all about, like, mental health and different triggers and different uh, ways to cope with what you're dealing with, so... 
I got really lucky in the family department. <laughs> but yeah, therapy is definitely something that everyone should consider and try if you feel comfortable doing so yeah, and you're course, gonna you're gonna course. feel uncomfortable at first yeah because, i literally have anxiety every time before a session. yeah it's it's weird like opening up to a stranger about mm-hmm. your personal life it's hard to keep in mind that they're only there to help like they want the best for you and yeah. they want to make sure that at the end of each session you feel better and like mm-hmm. you're you're not as stressed or worried or like a weight basically is lifted off your shoulders. So. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely something everyone should consider. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I just want people to know that if they're ever struggling with suicide or having a really down day, the suicide hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. And... Don't ever be ashamed if you feel like you need to call that number. Um, that's what they're there for. So just remember to love yourself and uh, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I also was, I had talked to my therapist a lot about my podcast. And she, <laughs> just because I, um, this is kind of like a tangent, but the podcast has actually been affecting my mental health a lot. And I, don't realize it and like the last few weeks have been like extremely hard for me but I couldn't I cannot pinpoint why because I'm not depressed not necessarily anxious it's just been really weird Mm -hmm. and so we're we're just like in therapy we're just always analyzing like what is it and how to manage it but she I mentioned I was talking to her about my depression episode and how like I was just I was just very like nervous for how people would respond if it was if it ever got like a serious response where it's like i'm not qualified to help you in this situation or whatever it is so she gave me the number for um the crisis interventional and hospital diversion that's what this says i don't know what that means but it's at the university of utah and it's basically just a crisis line Mm -hmm. but it's more local um and that number is eight Oh one five eight seven three zero zero zero. It says to provide free crisis response and hospital diversion programs that aim to keep all of our family members, friends, and neighbors safe. It says our team of professionals are highly trained in mental health crisis management and suicide prevention. So um, it's the same as the suicide hotline, I'm assuming, but it's just more local. Yeah. Um, so there is that number as well. I think that's funny that um well it's not funny but interesting you say that the podcast is affecting your mental health because when I was doing my BFA shows um and I was making those posters and doing my research it affected me 100% and there were times that I would be working on it and I would just like start crying because I like it's a hard thing to comprehend how people actually are feeling when Mm -hmm. they deal with this stuff yeah and it's just like very overwhelming because it's like I feel this I feel this way and I'm, I'm talking about this way you're talking about it that way but then there's like a million other people yeah that are listening to it and I think I just get very like well what if everyone listening doesn't feel like yeah like I feel or doesn't experience it like like I'm experiencing yeah. it and I don't know it's it's a lot of things yeah. but it's it's definitely affected me more than yeah. I thought it would. You mentioned something. I think it's very, very important for people to keep in mind or for everyone to keep in mind that every situation is different. Yes. So like the things that we talk about today, maybe like some of these things may have nothing to do with how you mm-hmm. have anxiety or you have depression, but this like these situations are how we have dealt with it and how we recognize that we have it yeah i get what you're saying my therapist also my therapist is running this podcast okay (laughs) but she suggested that i put a disclaimer in my episodes yeah this is the end of the episode but basically a disclaimer (laughs) just saying like me and Brittany are not trained no in any of this like this is just two people talking about our experiences and what works for us yeah so like take it with a grain of salt try some of the things we recommend but like it's not guaranteed to work especially Mm -hmm. since everything is so situational and we're not trained in this we we don't 
we've only experienced it. We haven't like researched and done crazy mm-hmm. yeah. school for it or anything. Yeah. We're definitely not licensed professionals. Mm-mm. Yeah. But we did our best. So. Yeah. <laughs> we did our best. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, I think that is it. Okay, cool. Um, well, thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences. I think it's fun for me to not just sit here by myself mm-hmm. talking about it and where like we can bounce off ideas and yeah. experiences off of each other because things that you say sparked something in me that I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize until one second ago that yeah, that's anxiety, <laughs> you know, yep. like, stuff like that. So yeah so thanks for coming on thanks for having Um, me and also just thank you for everybody to everybody for listening i am going to say (laughs) please write a review for my show um reviews help me a lot i went from like number 300 on the chart to like number 230 just from like four people writing reviews that's awesome so yeah even if you just listen to one episode this episode um (laughs) just quickly write a review on apple podcasts or wherever you can write a review on my podcast and then my social media for the podcast is for instagram it's at sometimes in shambles for twitter it's at shambles pod pod and then my email is sometimes in shambles podcast at gmail.com oh yeah what i was going to say earlier is do you want to you can like share your socials or And or um, also your website so people can like look at the stuff that we we're talking about. So. Um, I'll mention my website. Um, the easiest way to find it is to go to my design website, which is breedesign.com. So B-R-I-I-I, then the word design. Um, and then you can go to the graphic design section. It'll take you to the anxiety um one that I did and then in the description there should be a link that goes to the depression website which is um like an actual website published and stuff so so yeah check it out because there are really cute illustrations and stuff (laughs) Brittany is a really good designer yeah so that is it thank you for listening Bye. bye I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Sometimes in Shambles. The intro music was done by my friend Lucas Kathy, and the artwork was done by me, myself, Melissa. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.